ain't got a right to tell us how to worship So let's tell the government to get up out our churches We ain't choking no more Tell them my hopes in the Lord The time for speaking is past It's time to open the doors If you ain't got no right to tell us how to worship So let's tell the government to get up out our service We ain't choking no more Tell them my hopes in the Lord The time for speaking is past So let's reopen the doors What's up? Long time no see, everybody. My camera, there's something going on with it. It's like squishy or something, you know? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, I was on hiatus again because, well, life is tough sometimes. Um, we went camping last week and I was still working while we were camping because it was a family camp. So it was a large group of us all together in one place. And uh, I was going to do a live stream on the weekend of that <clears throat> of that week. But yeah, well, I mean, no excuses. It was just difficult and I didn't want to do it. So <sighs> that's what happened. Anyway, guys, so Amanda says, hey, hey, Amanda. How's it going? Um, guys, feel free to follow me on Instagram at bro. Here's the thing. And Twitter at devastated 48. Also, someone commented on one of my YouTube videos. Hey guy, I just used your discount code at resistance coffee company to get 10% off my first order. And so that still exists. If you go to resistance coffee company, and you type in Davis at checkout, you will get a discount on your order. Now, Amanda, since you're one of the only two people watching this right now, uh, could you do me a favor and share this to your Facebook page for me? Maybe people don't expect me to be on. Maybe people don't... Uh... I don't know, want to hear anything I have to say on this subject, you know? So basically, as you guys know, or you don't know, I don't know. Two weeks ago, I was online. Phoebe says, hey, Devin, how's it going? It's going really good. It might be going worse. As you guys know, two weeks ago, I made an offhanded comment that pastors cannot be women. And women cannot be pastors. <clears throat> um, and as you know, uh, I don't really, uh, I didn't really start this Facebook page, uh, to constantly be always tackling specific biblical interpretation issues. That was not really what it was designed for and what was it designed for? I mean, who, I mean, it was designed, I guess, maybe for me to just talk into the air and have people listen and, uh, stroke my own ego, I guess, maybe, maybe that's what it was for, but I made that offhanded comment and it caused quite a disturbance in the force, if you will. Uh, people coming out of the woodwork to argue uh, with me about that subject. And also, I started making other posts about this issue uh, to, uh, well, I don't know, just to see where my audience is at on the subject. And it brought more people out of the woodwork. I'm talking. People with really, really out there beliefs, really crazy stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, 
believing that uh, women can be elders or pastors in a church um, is the tip of the iceberg for some of the weirdness I encountered, but I'm not going to get into that right now. I want to, first of all, address the fact that this is now official. This has been put out there in the public uh, by the government of Canada. And um, it's uh, Canada has announced their digital identity program. I will get back to the female pastor issue in a minute, but I want to deal with this first because this is really, you know, something small and we can all look at together. So, yeah, Canada announces a digital identity program in partnership with WEF world economic forum and there you've got klaus schwab and justin trudeau being best friends shout out to cliff my dear friend he basically convicted me to put an ad blocker on on my on my computer so i would not be hit with all these stupid ads anymore and you can see it's all free and clear so it worked. Anyway, let's read. The government of Canada has announced it is working on a new federal digital identity program. Um, maybe you've been living under a rock for several years. Maybe you didn't know about this. Um, and who's the other country that's doing this right now publicly? That's right. The Netherlands. Or, sorry. Wait, what? The Dutch. The Dutch people. That's the Netherlands, right? Uh, yeah, anyway, whatever. I should really verify these things. I, you, sometimes you think you know what you're talking about in the heat of the moment, and then uh, it turns out it was completely ridiculous. I actually just did this in a private conversation with Cliff. Uh, I, I spouted off some fact about, oh, that song is actually a cover by this 80s music guy, and uh, I looked it up, and I was wrong. I was completely wrong. I I don't even know where I came up with that. Uh, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to keep searching for what I thought it was. But, um, but yeah, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it and correct it. But I already told him that I'm completely wrong on the issue, so he knows that. All right. Anyway, sorry. Um... Canada joins the Dutch government in developing a digital ID system in partnership with WEF. The program seeks to create a digital, a digital proof of identity document for all citizens that is logged in a system used by airports, authorities, and government agencies. Details about the development of a federal digital identity program were revealed in the Canadian government's Canada Digital Ambition 2022 report. The COVID-19 pandemic highlighted the need for government services to be accessible and flexible in the digital age, the report published by the government reads. So there you go. The COVID-19 pandemic was evidence for the government that they need a digital ID current like system, right? <laughs> Which is what we've been trying to tell all these other people uh, that that was the plan, that that was what it was for. Anyway. The next step in making services more convenient to access is a federal digital identity program integrated with pre-existing provincial platforms because we already have this kind of stuff sort of in the provinces. I mean, uh, Ontario has it. Alberta has some sort of digital ID system. 
Digital identity is the electronic equivalent <clears throat> of a recognized proof of identity document. For example, a driver's license or passport. It confirms that you are who you say you are. Wow, doesn't that sound clean and amazing and awesome? The West program is called Known Traveler Digital Identity, which the organization boasts is the first global collaboration of its kind. The Known Traveler Digital Identity, or ugh, KTDI, is a World Economic Forum initiative that brings together a global consortium of individuals, governments, authorities, and the travel industry to enhance security in world travel. The WEF's Known Traveler Digital Identity website says uh, the pilot group convened by the World Economic Forum consists of the Government of Canada and the Netherlands, Air Canada, KLM, Royal Dutch Airlines, Montreal, Trudeau International Airport, Toronto Pearson International Airport, and Arm Amsterdam Airport, Schiphol, the website notes. Canada's digital identity program further cements the country's commitment to the WF's digital ID project. The Canadian government has previously tried rolling out digital ID schemes like the unsuccessful federal contact tracing app and the controversial ArriveCan, which is required to enter the country. Despite the failures and privacy concerns, the liberal Canadian government is not giving up on digital ID schemes. And so... I want to show you guys a video from three years ago uh, that is really like cutesy and fun. And um, I found it because I was just trying to see if I could find a current video on the subject. And uh, I found this instead. And we're going to watch it because uh, it just shows you that this has been the plan for three years. And if it, they're making commercials for it three years ago, that means that they were um, planning it long before three years ago, right? So let's check it out. Sometimes applying for government benefits can be a lengthy and complicated process. The government of Canada's vision is to enable Canadians to use... Remember, what's she applying for? Benefits. How's that going to work out? You want benefits? You use the digital ID. That's how this will change, right? Trusted digital identities for quick and easy access to online services. Emily's having a baby soon and is applying for benefits. Today, she has to complete an online application form. Then, First of all, Government of Canada, why do you assume that she has to complete several online forms? How do you know she is not a they? <clears throat> this is a transphobic ad in the first place. Let's, let's not forget that. Wait five to ten days for an access code. When it arrives in the mail, she will use it to create an account and set up direct deposit. What if she could do all this at once from any device? She'd confirm who she is using her provincial or territorial trusted digital ID, consent to using personal information from her digital ID, and may choose to receive notifications. Once approved, she'd decide how to get paid. That's it. Notice that she used her thumbprint to scan in. This is a little outdated. They're going to retina scan you, obviously, because that's where phones are at now, right? The government's goal is to enable simple, fast, and convenient access to services anytime, anywhere, on any device. We're working with government and the private sector to build the foundation and standards for digital identity across Canada and internet. 
Bertie, I think that that is a great way to sum it up. You mean begging for the money they stole from her to begin with. Exactly. You know, I'm finally a have-not now. Where, like, it's, like, around the same amount that they take from uh, my paychecks is what I get uh, in, like, child tax benefit. So, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a taker of the system now. So, thanks, everybody. Um, I'm basically on welfare, I guess. So, that's pretty cool. Anna says, good day, folks. All right, let's, is there anything left on this? Nationally. The future is closer oh, than see. you think. Foundation and standards for digital identity across Canada and internationally. Wow. The future is closer than you think. I'm really excited for the future to be closer than I think. I don't know about you guys. Pretty excited. Oh, let's just close that. And there you go. So, obviously you can see it's always been marketed as like this cute, helpful thing. And, um... It's clearly never been intended for that. Now, that doesn't mean that there weren't people working on these kinds of projects thinking, wow, this is a great idea. Because think about this. If there were no nefarious intent, would not a digital ID system be like a helpful use of technology? Would it not be a good thing if no one was going to use it to punish you and shut down your bank accounts if you disagreed with them. <clears throat> it would. It would be a good thing, right? But I thought I'd just show you guys that. I thought it was interesting how long they've really actually been uh, pushing this pushing this stuff. But I guess you got to remember that's in 2019, so that is months before COVID starts. So that's a good point. Anyway, guys, <clears throat> moving on to... The issue that we're actually really interested in here, the topic of female pastors, and who knows, this might take more than one episode. I don't know. Uh, I have no idea how long this is going to take. Um, you know what? I'll keep it big because who wants to look at me anyway, right? Um, let's see. Uh, what are we going to do here? Let's, let's do that. And then that way, the Bible is on screen and I am not blocking the text. Um, as you guys recall, I started off last week by posting first Timothy two. What was it? First Timothy 2.12. Oh, I'm in the wrong section here in my physical copy. First Timothy 2.12, uh, which is deeply offensive when it is removed from its... Con oh, no. What? What's wrong with me today? Oh, man. <laughs> ah, yes, yeah, sorry. Yeah. What's going on here? Ah, uh, there it is. Okay, I'm dumb. Um, <clears throat> I got confused there. Sorry. Uh, okay, so. I'm on 1 Timothy 2.12. And I just posted this without any context. 
you know, which might be a little inflammatory. I can admit that. Okay. So it just says, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Now, that without context seems like a pretty loaded Bible verse to just throw out there into the universe on Facebook. And it was. Um, it basically caused exactly what I thought it would cause. Uh, people coming out of the woodwork to argue on this issue and fight with me uh, about something that is plain in the text if you just keep reading. Um, so one of the main criticisms of this Bible verse, cause that's what it is. People coming out of the nowhere to say, I disagree with your interpretation when all I did was post the Bible verse without context, uh, is a red flag, right? Because they're only arguing with what that text says. Now, this does not mean women are not allowed to talk. That is ridiculous right? I, I mean, I can't say no one thinks this, but no one in the right mind thinks that the, the, the interpretation of this would be that women cannot talk at all. Right. Um, like let's think about this clearly. So what does it mean? Well, it's in the context of starting at verse one of chapter two. So Paul has written a letter to Timothy to instruct him on how a church is to operate and who is to lead in churches. And Timothy's job is to set up these churches to have leaders in them. So Paul says this, First of all, then, starting in verse one, first of all, then I exhort that petitions and prayers, requests and thanksgivings be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Now, <clears throat> you know, I read that and I go, you know, is that what I was doing last week when I was posting this stuff? Maybe not. That's a fair criticism. I get rebuked by reading the Bible. Uh, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to read it, believe it, and realize that we are foolish um, uh, when something points out that we've done something wrong, right? So I will admit that. Maybe maybe some of my memes were not the best way to deal with this subject. I mean, I don't know. They could have been. Anyway... Going on, verse 3, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the full knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, or the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the witness for this proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Now, switching over. 
Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, with modesty and self-restraint, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly clothing, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women, women professing godliness. So some people would want to jump out and say something like, oh, see here, we need to take it in its context because Paul is saying that women can't braid their hair. Women can't wear jewelry. Um, and that's not really what he's saying. What he's saying is, is adorn themselves or, or sorry. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Sorry. I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, with modesty and self-restraint. Yeah. And not adorn themselves with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly clothing. So don't make it the emphasis of your look. These women would have, and, and you can go listen to a sermon on this by Pastor James. Uh, it would have been one of the first. Yeah, it would have been very early into me attending Grace Life. And basically, these women would be wearing ridiculous hairdos, tons of jewelry, and it would be all about their outward appearance. So Paul is telling them to focus on their godliness, on the way that they look on the inside, on making sure that they are godly on the inside. That's, that's what he's saying. It's not, you can't braid your hair. There's no, <laughs> there is no assault on braided hair from, from, from Paul. So what do we say next? What, or <clears throat> what does he say next? Um, a woman must learn in quietness, in all submission. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. For it was Adam who was first formed, and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into trespass. But she will be saved through the bearing of children, if they continue in faith and love and sanctification with self-restraint. So, <clears throat> one of the key arguments that I was told is, this is actually talking about a husband and wife only. And that a husband and a wife set up is, is all that this could ever apply to. So... A woman is supposed to be submissive to her husband. Now, no one would argue that every woman is supposed to be submissive to every man. That's not, that's not what Paul's saying here. But she's in submission yeah, it's not saying that she needs to be submission, in submission to a man. It says a woman must learn in quietness in all submission. Basically willing to be instructed and wanting to be instructed. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. So, 
This is talking about in the church context, you do not have women standing up and preaching to a group where there are men and women. Women are not to teach men, period. And now you've got aberrant translations like the Passion Translation, which someone posted for me, and they were using that as their hammer to say that my view is wrong. It's not my view, it's just what it says. But in the Passion Translation, I believe it says a new convert there. A new convert must learn in quietness, in all submission. But I do not allow a new convert to teach or exercise authority. So, just completely fake. Has no bearing on reality. But that's because the translator of the Passion Translation thinks he has an angel talking to him directly and thinks he needs to use the Aramaic to reveal secret truths. Uh, Right? So... He's on his own planet, right? You should never refer to the Passion Translation for anything. It has very few uses. And some of, most of them, I don't want to even discuss here. Okay? So, that's what I think about the Passion Translation. Every other translation, even the most soft ones, word it like this. Or similar to this. You can go look it up. None of them, other than the weird outliers in the middle of nowhere, say anything different. So, what's Paul's reason? What's Paul's reason for this? For women having to remain quiet and not exercise authority over men. He appeals to creation. He he appeals to Genesis 3. For it was Adam who was first formed, and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into trespass. Appeals to the fact that the woman was more easily deceived. Now, before you get offended by that, or if there is someone who wants to get offended by that, think about this. Paul is openly stating here that the woman is the one who was deceived and was easily manipulated. And yet, it is Adam who takes all the responsibility for sin. In Adam all died, it says. It doesn't say in Eve all died. It says in Adam all died. So God has placed this heavy burden of responsibility for men to look after women and ensure that they do not fall away because they are more easily deceived. Now, do you want that burden on you? Um, uh, it's like a big task, right? Um, and, and men fail at it constantly. I fail at it constantly, right? You have the weight of that on you as a man. Do you want that as a woman? You want that weight on you? How? Why? Why? When you mess up, I would say that God holds your husband accountable for it if you are married. Think about that. When you do something wrong, it is because you 
Your husband has failed to guard you. Think about that. You want that? You want that weight. I, I, why would you want that? So anyway, then there's a really tough verse. I don't really want to get into because I can't. <laughs> it says, but she will be saved through the bearing of children. It, it obviously doesn't mean that giving birth saves you because we understand that the gospel is believing on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Right. Um, and, and that's all there. Like, so we know that that's not what it's saying, but I don't want to really deal with that because I probably couldn't right now anyway. So now it moves into another category. It is a trustworthy saying. I'm going to switch it on my page here as well. It is a trustworthy saying. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a good work. An overseer then must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, temperate, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but considerate, peaceable, free from the love of money, leading his own household well, having his children in submission with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to lead his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? Now here we go. There's a word for new convert, and it's used here. And not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation of the devil. In fact, I want to look that up really quick. Let's check that out, just in case that the word is being used, it's the same word being used in a different context. I want to make sure that the word woman there cannot be translated new convert, because then that would cause me some heart palpitations. Um, uh, where is it? Uh, but if a man, okay, and not a new convert. The word is used one time. It is neophytos, and obviously I don't know how to pronounce Greek words at all, other than a couple that I've heard from pastors who speak and use Greek, right? And it literally says a new convert, novice, newly planted in the Greek Septuagint is how it's used. It's only in this one spot. So the word there for new convert is not the word for woman earlier, uh, how the passion translation deals with that section. Now, something else that's really interesting. Um, if we go back to that concept of, um, this is a husband and wife system. Hold on. I have notes on this. Yeah. (sighs) If this is only a husband and wife system, uh, the context has not changed um, at all. And yet, in verses 8 to 10, it says, Therefore I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, with modesty and self-restraint, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly clothing. 
So let's make that all say husbands and wives then. Therefore, I want the husbands in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Likewise, I want wives to adorn themselves with proper clothing, with modesty and self-restraint. So you think it's only wives that are supposed to adorn themselves with modesty, or is it all women? When does the context change in the next verse to just being about husbands and wives? It doesn't make any sense. I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but... I don't want to miss any of this stuff and it's popping and uh, I, I skipped a little bit. So bear with me. This isn't what I normally do, right? So there is another argument and I'm just looking at my book here because I wrote it all down. Um, people wanted to bring up all these female leaders in the Old Testament. So let's bring up female. Let's bring up female leaders in the Old Testament. They brought up Miriam, uh, Deborah, or Deborah, or Hulda, um, uh, probably many. Actually, I had one person bring up JL, who is the woman who lured the guy into her tent and then stabbed a a tent peg through his head. I can't remember his name right now. I'm at a loss. Um... Someone literally brought that up as an argument, like, well, God can use women. Here he is using a woman. And then I even had one person bring up the fact that prophets are given the ability to appoint kings. Um, they have, they're given, they're able to appoint kings and look in the new Testament, you have a female prophetess but she can't be a pastor. These are the kinds of arguments that were being thrown at me. Now, think about that one. A prophet is told audibly and directly by God to go appoint a king once, well, twice. That prophet, Samuel, is used by God to appoint kings. Nowhere can we draw from the text that therefore all prophets can appoint kings? That is not an assumption that we make. That's not what it says. That's not what it teaches. Follow the context. Every prophet is able to do what God commanded them because God enables them at the time. It is not that the office of prophet is able to appoint kings. That is foolishness and has nothing to do with context of 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 being a prophet prophets have appointed kings because god told them to right so now we get into miriam deborah hulda all these women okay i'm not even going to go through them and address why None of them can be pastors. They're not pastors because the New Testament office of elder slash overseer slash pastor slash shepherd doesn't exist in the Old Testament. It's a new office. One person said, so you're saying Deborah can be appointed as a judge of Israel but can't be a pastor. 
Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And also, really, if you go read the story of Deborah, you'll notice that there's this guy who's supposed to be going down to fight, but he'll only go if Deborah comes with him. Is he not supposed to be the judge there? I mean, I'm that's that's an inference, but the point is is that we have a useless man, and so God appoints a woman as judge, and I believe somewhat that that is to shame him. So there's that. But anyway, I don't want to get into those. There is no office of elder like there is in the in the Old Testament like there is in the New Testament, right? Okay. So now we get into New Testament women. Um people bring up Priscilla and Phoebe and neither of them acted as a pastor. Uh some people bring up uh Phoebe, but she would be an argument for showing that there are female deacons, not female pastors. Because in 1 Timothy, you have another section explaining the office of deacon, which is almost identical qualifications to an elder, um, except the ability to teach and preach, right? That would be the big difference. Preachers... Preachers teach, pastors teach, deacons are servants, and, and and the word deacon means servant, diakonos, I believe it's pronounced, means servant. And so it seems like most translations will deal with um, deacon as a as an official rule in First Timothy, but in Romans sixteen. I think Romans 16.1, Phoebe is called a servant of the church. Some translations like the NIV would put deaconess there or deacon, I think. And uh, the LSB and more on that literal conservative side would put servant there because they're probably distinguishing between the official office of a deacon and a servant. Now, that being said... <clears throat> there's a better debate for female deacons than there is uh, for female pastors. Why? Because that same word, diakonos, is used of a woman, whereas elder and overseer or pastor are never used of a woman ever. And so um, you'll do a word search for the word elder and you'll see it generally only relating to men um now there's something really interesting that i looked up actually you know what let's look at priscilla which is in acts 1826 i won't bring it up for you guys um if you want to flip there or something if you have a bible you can but acts 1826 what does it say um this is the moment where priscilla and aquila her husband um, correct, correct, um, uh, Apollos or Apollos. So it says this, 
So Apollos is evangelizing, but he um, is lacking some information. So he starts preaching, and and it's it's really great, but he's missing some information. So and then in Acts eighteen twenty six says this, and he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So people like to look at this as some sort of argument for Priscilla being in some sort of authoritative role because she's correcting a man. Her husband's right there, first of all. So she's doing it with her husband and they're working together. So there's that is a clear distinction. Um, people bring up um, Priscilla being mentioned first and that is an argument for um, that she was more prominent in the community than him and that may very well be true and yet she's still not correcting a man without without her husband there now um again i have to look this up because uh did i write it down i did not but i'm gonna bring it up for you guys because that's not always the case anyway um there's actually a section priscilla there's actually one section where priscilla is brought up second so wait what oh yes it's uh yes so did you guys know that when you see Prisca, that is actually the same woman as Priscilla. And you can see here, Romans 16, 3, it says, Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Now, look at this, 1 Corinthians sixteen nineteen, The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Prisca greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. So, you have this here. Paul sometimes puts Aquila first and sometimes puts Prisca first or Priscilla first. So that might be true. I don't know. I didn't look it up, but Paul doesn't always do that. And furthermore, it still quite literally means nothing about whether she was a pastor or not. She's very clearly not a pastor um there are other references now there's one thing that i wanted to bring up that i thought was really interesting um why did i have galatians 5 22 and 23 written down you know what we're gonna do a little gambling here well it's not gambling because it's scripture so we know that it's gonna be good but I wrote down Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and I don't know why. So, uh, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, I don't know why I wrote that down, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law yeah so i'm not sure why i wrote that down i probably had an awesome pointer at some point but that's okay so there was one more thing i wanted to bring up if you go to titus now this is interesting 
people have been talking about the office of pastor. It's only mentioned once. The word pastor being used of a person is mentioned once in the New Testament. And so some people said, well, it doesn't give you a, a role for pastor. And it doesn't give you a description of what they do. So um, that's up for us to kind of fill in the blanks on. And I would say no to that. It is very clear that um, what a pastor is supposed to do is do what the elders do. Now, there are some people that would argue, well, elder means older man or, um, you know, I was trying to, I was just trying to find this out. So Titus is actually super important on this issue. I would go to Titus, check this out as well, because this is pretty cool. Also, guys, if you want, please comment, um, get involved, uh, give me your opinions. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more than willing to, to read some stuff. So I would appreciate it if you, if you commented, honestly. Um, so in Titus five, one, one, five to verse seven, <laughs> look, at this. <laughs> look at this guy on YouTube. If there's any lady who agree agrees with my man DD and you are between 45 and 55 and you are single, I want to marry you. I do love that he was very careful to give an age and to say that you are already single. Um he wants to make sure you're single. So, uh, that is hilarious. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. So anyway, Titus one, five to seven says this Titus has been left in Crete by Paul to appoint elders. For this reason, I left you in Crete that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. In fact, Let's get that up. Uh, just changing it over to Titus for you guys. There you go. So, there you go. Titus 5, and it is up. Okay. So, oh. So, right here. For this reason, I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Namely... If any man is beyond reproach, the husband of one wife, having faithful children who are not accused of dissipation or rebellious, for the overseer must be beyond reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of dishonest gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, self-controlled holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and to reprove those who contradict. And then it says men who are not worthy of this stuff. So something that I notice that's different is Timothy uses the word overseer exclusively. Um, which is, sorry, which is the word, uh, episkopos. Now, 
the definitions on this kind of range from like superintendent to bishop. Um, elder means old man first and foremost, but also would be a leader and like leaders of old, right? So you'd look back to your elders and then elders are used of leaders of church of the church. Um, um, sorry, just reading a comment there. Um, so this was an interesting thing to look up. Um, Titus having Titus, although it's basically the same qualifications ties in the fact that Paul uses elder and overseer synonymously. Whereas in Timothy, you have the word um, overseer being used. Why is that important? Um, Because I want people to understand that elder and overseer are are synonymous. And because we don't have a definition of pastor, what is a shepherd other than a man who is leading this church? So why... Would you want to try and impose these qualifications or shirk them completely and appoint women as elders of your church or as leaders of your church or pastors of your church when these are the qualifications for a leader that we have? These are the only qualifications we have. And they are men They're only men. Read it. Read it for yourself. They're only men. So think about, think about that now. Um, Most of the female arguments I got, or, you know, from people arguing for female pastors, I got, uh, when it would revolve around first Timothy, it would say something about female, um, you know, this is about a wife submitting to her husband. Um, so when, if you, what does it say in first Timothy? This is another important point I want to get. I know I'm bouncing back and forth. I'm sorry, but in first Timothy, most of the women that were arguing with me or men for that matter, who were arguing with what this says and arguing against what it says were agreeing that women should be submissive to their husbands. Um, that this is a husband and wife dynamic. Okay. So then in these qualifications for elder, who is a teacher, who is a pastor, what's on that list? Um, sorry guys. Um, verse five for our first Timothy three, five in brackets in the LSB, it says this, but if a man does not know how to lead his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? So right there, even if this is just about a husband this other section in in chapter two is just about husband and wives and their relationships. The qualification for an elder 
is that he be able to lead his own household well. The women arguing with me were still understanding that men are supposed to lead their own household. So then how can a woman fulfill this role of leading her own household well when her husband is supposed to be the one leading the household well? And as I read this stuff, I am convicted by the fact that I could not be qualified to be an elder. Maybe one day. Maybe, I don't know. I hope for that, but I'm not going to force it if I'm truly not going to be qualified. But this is a list of things that all men should be striving for, and yet almost none of us are. It's not just that women can't be elders. It's that almost all men can't be elders. We have devalued these roles so much that that we don't even recognize what an elder or a pastor is supposed to look like. If you could understand how rigid the church is supposed to be on these qualifications, you would be scared and intimidated and trembling to desire to be an elder. And if you understood that an elder is a pastor and that therefore, if you are a woman, you cannot be these things. If you understood what these verses meant, you would be horrified that you ever wanted that job. The man leads his wife. And if the man cannot leave his, lead his wife, how can he be entrusted to protect and look after Christ's bride? Think about that. John Brown says, I just got here. What did I miss? Uh, The entire thing, man. I'm sorry. Um, So I hope that that clears some things up. I don't know. I could, I could go through some more specific arguments, but I really don't think that they're that relevant. Um, There were, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell this publicly. Um, a guy who had a fee, a, a guy who was following me who has a female pastor wife was so offended that he wrote the office of my church to complain about me but not only was was what he saying um you know the office the office was in complete disagreement with him and would agree with me um he lied about me so what does that say about his character if you read what he said, and I, I won't do that, but it said that I, I, my emails were deeply offensive. I've never emailed anyone about this subject, um, ever. I, I, can't, I can honestly say that I don't believe that I've ever emailed anybody. And, and, and the arguments just got more and more outlandish. People coming out and saying, why is this such an issue for you? Um, why are you, why are you grinding this out all day, every day? Well, because you still believe it because you still believe that it's okay. And this, like, this is what I care about. And, you know, one of the, another thing, 
Let's talk about calling for a minute. We have a couple minutes until we hit the one hour mark. This concept of calling. Well, how can you say what God hasn't called, like what God has called someone to? Well, God would never contradict his word. And I'm going to trust his word over what you say he told you. Because what you say he told you is wrong. Why? Again, because he wouldn't contradict his word. Remember what Peter says. He saw Jesus transfigured on the mount. And yet, he says he trusts a word that is more sure. The written word of God. The scriptures. And then, Peter also says that Paul's letters are scripture. So I'm going to go with what Paul said. Because Paul wrote scripture. And you... You don't. You don't write scripture. No one writes scripture now. And if you want to argue that you write scripture, it's even worse. So, guys, men with female pastor wives, read the Bible, be submissive to it, tell your wife to quit her job, and quit simping for her on the internet, and fighting with men who understand what the Bible says. Stop it. We are not going to change our minds. We are going to keep believing the Bible. Hey, Justin, what's up? We are going to complete, com- we are going to continue to believe the Bible. And that is all. With that, I want to say this last piece when I would get into it with these people, when I would start talking to them, what I would start saying is I would just go, okay, tell me what the gospel is or post me a link to your favorite female preacher. None of them would. And then also when I would say, what is the gospel? I never got a right answer from any of those people. Now there was only a couple that even answered me, but the answer was always wrong. And what's the gospel? Well, why not? What is the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15. Again, we're quoting Paul. Verse 1, it says this. Now I make known to you, brothers, the gospel which I proclaimed as good news to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved. So this gospel that he's about to proclaim is what saves you. What makes the difference between you going to heaven and you going to hell? If you hold fast the word which I proclaim to you as good news, unless you believe for nothing. So, if you are saved, your desires will be changed and you will want to hold fast to the word that Paul gave you. That's what he's telling these people. If they truly believe and they are saved, they will hold fast to the things that he has told them. So, and then he says, unless you believe for nothing, which you can do that. You can believe for nothing. So, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas. That's Peter. 
then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. That means died. After that, he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. So, Paul is stricken by the fact that he would even be saved like the other apostles were, because he was so evil to the church of God. You know that he was helping recruit Christians and kill them, and then Jesus saved him. So, here is the fact. You are a sinner. To be saved, to be redeemed, you must believe that Jesus Christ went to the cross and paid for your sins, and that he was buried on the third day, and that, or and that he was buried and rose from the grave on the third day. You must believe on that and trust in him for the forgiveness of his sins. You must trust in the forgiveness for your sins. Sorry, I got distracted. If you believe that truly, you will be guided away from error. Keep finding people that put this Bible as the ultimate authority. Not this Bible specifically. You don't have to use an LSB, although I approve highly of it. But someone who trusts that this Bible is the authority and it contains all things that they need pertaining to life and godliness, that's, that's what you need to do. You need to believe the good news. And what I've found is that many people that are okay with female leadership in churches can never explain the gospel to me. It is a symptom. And if you want me, sorry, when I say it's a symptom, I mean female pastors are a symptom of a church that already doesn't teach the good news, doesn't teach biblical interpretation properly, doesn't exegete the texts, doesn't go through the Bible verse by verse. It's not a cause. It's not a cause of error. It is the symptom of error. When you are looking to see if a church is healthy, look to see how many female pastors they have. If they have many, if they have any, that means they are not healthy because they've already given up biblical authority. That is what it means. And so with that, guys, I will leave you to dwell on these things. Read the relevant verses. Look up Priscilla. Look up Phoebe. Look up First Timothy. Look up Titus. Look up the use of elders. Look up the use of overseers. Look up the one use of pastor. Look up what a hireling is in John. Look up what a shepherd does. A shepherd looking after Christ's flock. Look up those things in your Bible. Do that. And repent if you ever thought that women are to be leaders in churches. You need to repent of it. Anyway, guys, have a great night. Oh, my mouse died. Anyway, guys, have a great night. And I will hopefully be back next week.